Welcome to Landwards, the podcast for the land-based engineering community, brought to you by the Institution of Agricultural Engineers. Hello and welcome to the Landwards podcast. I am your host, Andy Newbold, editor of the Institution of Agricultural Engineers magazine, Landwards, and we are joined today by the new Chief Executive Officer of the Institution of Agricultural Engineers, Charlie Nicklin. Hello, Charlie. Hello. Um, Thank you for joining us today. Would you like to start by maybe telling us a little bit about your background? Yes, no problem. Um, I've been around agriculture all my life. The majority of my family are farmers in Derbyshire and Staffordshire. I grew up on a family farm surrounded by tractors and machinery, and that sparked my interest in all things mechanical. And of course, woodland and fields, motorbikes and Land Rovers are also a big part of that. My mother and auntie ran riding stables teaching children to ride, so I've spent many hours in my younger days on the back of a pony. But tractors really won my attention. I've got fond memories of all the busy seasons, silaging, combining, ploughing, all of which still get the hairs on the back of my neck standing up today and when I see machines working. My uncle was a keen match ploughman and I used to travel to matches with him, which got me interested in that as well. So I do about 20 matches a year now. And I've been in the top three of the British Nationals a few times, but I've never managed to come home with the trophy yet. Fantastic. Um, wh- why did you decide to become an agricultural engineer then? Well, my granddad bought me a Fergie diesel tractor and a mower when I was about 10 or 11. So that's when the real tinkering began. I ran that for a few years and then I decided to do the engine up when I was in my teens. And then my dad and I sprayed the tractor up. I still got the tractor today, but after years of use on the farm, it's, it's definitely in the queue for restoration when time allows. Um, that little T20 sparked my interest in vintage and classic tractors, which are still very much up to date. What really captivated me was when my local mechanic used to come and do major repair jobs on tractors at home. And I think that was the point where I thought that's what I wanted to do when I left school. And although I was fine at school, I got no intention of doing A-levels. I really wanted to go and do something like a City and Guilds 015 mechanics course. Just, just as an aside, um, how, how many tractors have you got, Charlie? I think I've got about seven. So I have uh, a mixture of grey Fergies and red and grey Massey 35s and a Massey 148. I've also got... Um, my, my granddad's Field Marshal Series 1, which was the first tractor he bought new back in the day. So, so from, a, from, a, from a sort of part-time collector's point of view, it's, it's a good starting point, isn't it, really? It's, it's a good starting so it, point. It's, it's, the, it's the shed space that stops more tractors being Well, built. you know the answer to that one, just build more <laughs> sheds. Um, anyway, let, let's, let's carry on. Tell us a little bit about your route into the industry then. Well, the mechanic thing was was obviously in my head, but um, it was my dad, really. He was very supportive, um, but he persuaded me to do something with a bit more theory. So we visited a few ag colleges, and I ended up going to Reese Heath in Cheshire to do a national diploma in ag engineering. And it was perfect for me. I loved every minute of it. It was a real good mix of practical and theory. And suddenly things like maths and science became interesting because it was being applied to something that I was I was really interested in. Um, I also met my future wife there, who was the sister of one of the guys on the course, and again, many lifelong friends, uh, really a great time. And that time at Reeseath really sparked my desire to learn more, and then that led me on to Harper Adams, where I did my BNG. And again, I loved my time there, it was great fun. I'd have never guessed at school that I'd end up with an engineering degree. Um, 
I'd spend summers either driving or fixing tractors. And when I graduated, I was in no real rush to dive into a, ke- a career, just really get rid of some debts. Well, that's a fair comment. Um, so following, following graduation and uh, there with your piece of paper to wave to all the world with a BN Johnny's in agricultural engineering, um, tell us a little bit more about your journey following, following the, the, the finish of formal education, if you like. Well, I thought I can only sit on a tractor for so long, and I thought I'd better get a proper job. Um, so I started, I started looking around. Um, the first role I found after my degree was an interesting one. I saw the, an ad in the Farmers Weekly for engineers, and it was very vague, um, working on chemical spraying equipment. So I applied. Um, I'd not heard from a, some other jobs I'd applied for. And this one I was invited to straight away for an interview down in Earls Barton in Northampton. And I was offered the job. At the time, it was great because it was very much split 50-50 practical and office work. What the company had done, they developed a, a product for killing salmonella in animal feeds. And um, they used that product both in-house treating material at dock sides, and they also pushed the product into processing plants and, and animal feed mills. And the work I was involved with was really designing and developing the the application equipment to apply that chemical. Every installation was different. The equipment was very much tailored to suit. And the job, it was really exciting at the time. The job took me all over the UK and Europe, and I also went to the US where the company's headquarters were. And I stayed there for about two and a half years, but I really wanted to get into machinery. Um, so engineering vacancies came up at JCB, and I applied to one, um, and I was invited to an assessment day, various interviews, I was offered a job as a design engineer on either backhoes, loadalls, or compact excavators. So I really had the choice and ended up choosing loadall simply because of the ag connection. I'd spent many hours driving them. When I started at JCB, the business was deep into the design of the new side engine telly on the range, which, which still exists today. And I was right at the deep end coming up with component designs and releasing drawings. The next couple of years, I started leading machine projects and managing people and plans. And over the next nine years, I quickly rose through senior and principal engineer level. And I eventually ended up being product manager for the ag rangers. So I looked after multiple projects doing that. And during my time, you know, we released some cracking products, which really set Lodal in JCB on the journey to become the market leader they are today. We were doing things like 40K lockup drive lines, loader suspension, higher power models, and these are all things that were leading the industry. And then out of the blue, my boss called me into his office and he announced they needed a new chief engineer on fast track. And I was only 34 at the time and it was quite a daunting prospect. It was a very established team and it was very much the most sophisticated product that, that JCB manufactured. But in JCB, you don't turn jobs down. So I had 11 years working on fast track. I love the product and love the people of the industry. We moved the range on massively in my time there. We partnered with Agco on engines and transmissions, and we developed the non-road side of the product and introduced things like GPS steering and headlands management and, and really brought the machine up to date. And the icing on the cake was for me was introducing the new 4,000 and 8,000 ranges, which still get the hairs on the back of my neck standing up today. Customers love the new products, and I got a real buzz being on the show stands hearing feedback from them. Launching the 4000 series was a real proud moment for me and JCB. Time flies along and I'm summoned into the COO's office um, in Roaster. 
and I was asked to become chief engineer on Backo. So again, you don't turn these roles down. So I spent four years on Backo loaders, um, and the work took me to many parts of the world, such as Brazil and India, Russia, and the States. Um, Backo is a big business in JCB, as you can imagine, and they're made in six factories around the world. It's a real key product. So much of my work during my time there was introducing new engines and gearboxes and range updates and, and new features. There was less sort of clean sheet concept work because it's a very mature, established product range. But I still, I consider myself very lucky. I've worked on the chairman's two favourite products in JCB, fast tracks and backhoes. So we fast forward through through your career now, and we we find find you as the chief executive officer of the institution. Why did you want to become the CEO? Well, after twenty four years in JCB, I was certainly ready for a change. Um, when I left, people asked me what was I going to do next, um, and my response was always the same: something completely different. I didn't really know what though. I've been a member of the IGRE since I was at Harper and became chartered in 1999. And the opportunity to be more involved was of great interest. But I definitely knew that I wanted to stay in, ag, in the ag industry. And all my experience was engineering. So what could be better than the Institute of Ag Engineers? As we all know, ag engineering is a hugely broad subject. It's not just about tractors and machinery. What really sparked my interest is the variety the role brings, such as working with young people in colleges and unis, staying abreast of cutting edge industry developments and keeping close contact with manufacturers. We've got to encourage young people into the industry and support and mentoring are really important. And it's a chance to give something back to the community that's, that's given me so much. At the risk of this this um, sounding like an interview, Charlie and I apologise. But what what did you bring to the what do you, what, what what do you bring to the institution? Well, the thing for me is it's got to be my commercial background. At the end of the day, money makes the world go around. We need to make products to sell and provide services to generate cash. We don't generate cash. We can't invest in education and research. It's pretty simple. There's got to be a commercial end product or service to generate the income to allow future investment. That's how the industry works. They're not just in it for the fun of it. They need to make cash. And I know I'm being pretty blunt, but I feel really strongly about this. The other thing for me is that I'm a member. I've been on my own journey since I graduated. So I understand the ups and downs you go through during your career. The IAGI is a broad church. Its members are diverse not only by job type, but also by age. You think of the career advice available in our membership for young people as they start their own journeys. There's never been a more exciting time to get involved in land-based engineering. I'd absolutely echo that. What excites you about the role? Well, initially, with all the COVID restrictions, it's going to be really challenging, but I'm really looking forward to getting close to the educational establishments, which is ultimately where our new members will come from. I'm really keen to develop further relationships with manufacturers and service providers and encourage individuals and, and corporate membership. And I really want to understand what people want from a modern institution and what the institution can do for its membership. Also, I've had my head deep in machinery for the last two and a half decades. So I'm really excited about getting involved in all the other aspects of agricultural engineering. None of us ever stop learning. Every day is a school day. What do you think the challenges ahead are? And how do you think the institution can help with that? Well, there's, there's lots of opportunities out there for engineers, especially in land-based industries. 
We need to make sure these roles are really visible to young people to attract them into our industry. Manufacturing's changed over the years. There's still some large companies employing engineers, like the one I used to work for, but there are lots of small to medium-sized businesses who need people. My biggest challenge at JCD was finding good engineers, especially those with electrical and electronic engineering skills. Software and electronics are deeply embedded in agriculture, so it's important this is recognised in the educational establishments. Agriculture's changed in addition to the normal cost challenges it faces. It now has climatic change and sustainability and Brexit to deal with. And this generally only goes one way, reduce the input costs, improve the output efficiency, and hopefully still make some profit. Ag engineers play a huge part in this. There is so much sophistication in the industry now that couldn't be a more exciting time to get involved. The institution needs to make sure it remains relevant to not only its existing membership, but the future members. It's important new members are attracted to the institution. And to do that, we have to offer clear benefits, for example, career guidance, job opportunities, networking opportunities, to name a few. Just thinking about agricultural engineering as a discipline, where do you see it going? I think it's changed dramatically. If you mentioned I agree a few decades ago, you instantly thought silso and tractor testing. And the agricultural engineer, or he was the chap who came to fix your tractor. It's had a blurred image, and it still does. The engineer title of it was confused years ago. The industry allowed it to happen. You now call the engineer to fix your boiler or your washing machine. I mean, that ship sailed a long time ago. So all we can do is look forward and educate people on what an engineer actually is, and then introduce them to what the agricultural engineer is. Seriously, though, it's about educating people to what the discipline is and what it covers. I touched on it before, climate change, sustainability, renewable energy. They're all key areas for land-based engineers to get stuck into, not forgetting the good old traditional ones. I think it's really important to understand where the careers of those who have studied land-based engineering have taken them and make sure that's visible to people. So what about your first 100 days in the hot seat? What are your plans? Well, initially, I need to get up to speed fast and understand the workings of the institution and the interaction with the other bodies. IAGRE has been without CAO for six months. So there are some key activities that need completing in that. Oops, I'll just start again on that one. That's fine. Fudge new words. Initially, I need to get up to speed fast and understand the workings of the institution and the interaction with the other bodies. IAGRE has been without CEO for six months. So there's some key activities that need completed. In the period before the Secretariat team, supported by the President and former CEO, Alastair Taylor, have done an excellent job to keep things going. I'm really keen to understand the membership and what we as an organisation offer to them. There's been some great work done that we need to build on going forwards. The COVID restrictions are going to make things awkward in terms of getting out and about to companies and universities. And also the business climate at the moment is pretty tough. So they're not great times to get started. What COVID's done is open up virtual meetings and conference to people and made things more accessible. So we can take advantage of that. And I think that's changed the way we're going to operate going forward. You know, things like the lunchtime lectures that have been very successful. Challenges aside, I'm really looking forward to getting stuck in with the Secretariat team. And of course, supported by the Executive and Membership Committee and driving the institution forwards. 
For me, it's understanding the present, build on what's been done, and then plan for the future. Thank you for that, Charlie. I mean, you're right. The timing's never right, is it? Whatever you do, it's just it's just we are where we are, and the challenge is to to do the best with the with the situation we, we find ourselves in, um, and, and with the tools available. Well, look. I really appreciate the time you've given us today to give us an insight into uh, into your background and your thinking and uh, and where you'd like to take the institution as well. So I'm very grateful for that. Thank you. So Charlie Nicklin, CEO of the Institution of Agricultural Engineers, thank you very much for your help today. No problem. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. There will be other podcasts to listen to in future. Don't forget, keep checking back on the Institution of Ag Engineers website, www.iagri.org. And... Um, you're welcome to to find out more there. Thank you very much. This is the pod, the Landwards podcast signing off. Thank you and goodbye. You have been listening to Landwards, the podcast for the land-based engineering community, brought to you by the Institution of Agricultural Engineers. For more information, visit www.iagre.org.